just saying that ends I don't know I don't know how many of you heard that ends with this dissonant minor chord almost to echo that throughout this song that we just sang um, a lot of it is talking about what's happening right now not necessarily that oh in the past we went through a hard time in the past we we had to walk through the ocean right but that right now as the oceans are raging around us you are good your love endures forever and we will sing praise to you and i i do believe there's power to our praise church that no matter what storm we're in the middle of no matter what we are walking through that we praise his name for who he is and the truth is we do we forget he's already got the victory amen amen he has defeated death forever and um we we can praise him we're gonna sing a new song um, that we introduced last week. So if you were here last week, yay, we get to sing it again. Um, first, I just want to read um, from Psalm 42. Just continue to uh, turn our hearts to the Lord and seek his face. Um, as the deer pants for streams of water, so my soul pants for you, O God. My soul thirsts for God, for the living God. Where can I go and meet with God? My tears have been my food day and night, while men say to me all day long, where is your God? These things I remember as I pour out my soul. How I used to go with the multitude, leading the procession to the house of God, with shouts of joy and thanksgiving among the festive throng. Why are you so downcast, O oh my soul? Why so disturbed within me? Put your hope in God, for I will yet praise him my Savior and my God. Let's continue worshiping him this morning, church.
without light till from heaven you came running there was mercy in your eyes to fulfill the law and prophets to a virgin came the word from a throne of endless glory to
God, in so many ways, we've just <laughs> prayed our prayers to you, Lord, that you would open our eyes and wonder and show us who you are and fill us with your heart, lead us in your love. And as we pray those, God, it's recognized that those are, in fact, promises that as we open our eyes and seek your face, you will be found. <laughs> And that it is your promise that you will fill us with your heart if we come to you with a heart that desires your will, not ours. And Lord, you are not a creator God that has, has made a people to worship him and that will just leave us in the dust. But God, you, you will lead us in your love. And that is a promise that as we pray that we can cling to those truths pray that you would help us collectively as a body to run hard after you, God, and to rest in your love and to follow you in your love. And God, now I pray that um, your presence would continue to be felt through the remainder of this service as Pastor Paul comes, as Mr. Rock comes and, and leads uh, us through what has been laid on each of their hearts, God. We love you and we just want our lives to show that. It's in your name. We pray and thank you. Wow, wonderful worship here. The spirit of the living God is with us today, amen? amen? Amen, he's right here right now. My name is Rock Powers, and my wife's name is Jody. I have two children. Uh, my son's name is Travis. My daughter's name is Kylie. He, she is married to Paul Dawson. And I have three grandchildren through my daughter. And my son Travis and his wife Elizabeth, they live out in Oregon. And she is with child and is due June the 6th, so we're ecstatic about that, my wife and I and the rest of the family. And I'm here today um, to tell you and talk to you about uh, the West Central Correctional Community Facility. And uh, I've been, I should not just say I, but Steve Knox, that's a familiar name in this uh, congregation, I'm sure. Uh, we have been a part of a, a ministry over there uh, since about 2004 and here of recent times we haven't been able to go over there and minister with a Bible study but we have been able to go and zoom zoom a Bible study every Monday night um, my story is uh, I was I was saved uh, about this time of year yeah, it was it was in January of 1990 my wife and I both God brought me out of a a horrible, horrible, sinful life, and uh, my wife had a lot to do with that. Thank you, Lord, for my wife, Jody. But we've, uh, my wife and I, we've been married now for uh, 35 years. It'll be 36 years here in July, this coming July. But we got saved in January of 1990 uh, in a little church there in Springfield, Ohio. That's where my family's from. And uh, about 1995, I think it was, uh, a lady, her name was Mary Perry. Uh, she's a jail chaplain there at Clark County, at the Clark County Jail. And she came to our church one, uh, I think it was a Wednesday evening or a Sunday night, I don't recall. But she came to our church and she was asking if we could support that jail, uh, her jail chaplaincy. And so that struck a nerve in my heart. And I, I didn't understand why. So I was up talking to her after the service. 
and asking you know her about the you know the chaplaincy and it, it, was there a Bible study there? Do people come in and just these questions I had about that and she said yes and so I had a meeting with her and she after interviewing me uh, she allowed me to start coming in uh, I think it was twice a month on a Sunday afternoon to uh, hold a Bible study but the story doesn't stop there Jody and I we moved up this way with our family in 2001 and uh, our first church here in Marysville was New Beginnings Dan Steeps the pastor over there and, but it was about a year later we had started coming to the Marysville Nazarene Church here. I, I think it was about 2003. I can't totally remember. About this time in 2003. But the significance of all of this, I want to tell you, is that, is that the first Sunday school class we were in, there was a man named Clarence Henson. Anybody out there remember Clarence? Raise your hand if you remember Clarence. Yeah, that's what I thought. Awesome man. Awesome man. He's with the Lord. He's with the Lord now, no doubt about it. But uh, he had a prayer request one, uh, at, at one of the Sunday school uh, classes on one Sunday. And his prayer request was for the men at West Central Correctional Community Facility. And I was like, what? Where's that at? I was thinking in my mind when he made that request. But long story short, after... After the class, I approached Clarence, and I said, what's this all about? And he commenced to telling me about West Central Correctional Community Facility and how he, Clarence was part, I'm sorry, Clarence was part of the Gideons. He was part of the Gideons. And so the Gideons went in there once a week, once a week on a Wednesday, and Clarence invited me to come there. So I started going in there with the Gideons at first for Bible study. There was like three of us that went in there at one time, again, on a Wednesday evening. And uh, it wasn't long after that. It was like six months later, maybe nine months later. Uh, West Central, they wanted to expand their Bible studies. And they, their goal was to have an every night, every single night of the week, a Bible study. Well, they met that goal. But one of the people that, it, or one of the pe it interests me, and I was one of the people that they expanded that Bible study with. And I started going in on a Monday night. Well, it wasn't much, eh, I don't know, maybe, it wasn't much long later that Steve started going with me, Steve Knox. Probably, I don't know, it's three, four, five months later after I got uh, my night over there to go over and worship with the, with the men over there, that he started going. And... Um, it's, it's just been a, it's been an awesome witness to myself how God all the songs we sang the provenial grace that he extends to all of us the, 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 all the different kind of graces and loves that he extends to every single one of us is, is fathomless it's, it's hard to describe but what I have witnessed in my time and Steve could attest to this as well my time over at West Central has been just Miracle after miracle is the only way I know how to explain it. But it's been, it's been a, a privilege for me, and, and I speak for Steve as well, that we were, that God had placed us over there because it's all, the way it culminated and how I went over there and got a chance to go over there and Steve as well, is just an, it's a God thing. It's just the Lord allows us to do that, and it's a privilege in my eyes and in Steve's eyes as well. 
So Steve and I have been going over there uh, since 2003, four, something like that, quite some time. Uh, they allowed Steve and I to extend that to a Wednesday night for one-on-one -on -one with men. Now, I think it was in 2014, maybe somewhere around in there, they added another wing on West Central, and it's just located on here on Route 4 North here, just right past County Home Road going north. But um, they, they started allowing me and Steve uh, to go in and talk to the men one-on-ones on Wednesday night. And in addition to that, they did add another wing on for women, for women as well. And, and so uh, we, we got to extend a little bit into that, a Bible study for a little while doing that as well. Again, they wanted more volunteers to come in for more Bible study for the women's side and eventually got some of those people to come in. Different churches here in this area here. And even extended over into Columbus as well. It extended over into Westerville as the farthest I can think of churches over there coming over here to West Central. Uh, so um, about West Central, uh, I just want to talk a little bit about if you could go over to the website over there if you would please. I just want to talk a little bit about uh, the community partners. Uh, the community partners, West Central serves, I think it's eight different count, one, two, three, four, five, six, yeah, five, one, two, three, four, five, six, eight different counties, surrounding counties here, and they're all right there on the screen, and that's quite a bit. Uh, I believe there's like 20 counselors over there, and so their workload's pretty big. And the reason I'm showing this is because I want, to, I want to explain to you just briefly here how a person gets to go through that program over there at West Central. So um, when, when, they, when, they, when they have their crime and go to the judge, the judge decides whether to get even, um, to, if they can go to West Central. And if they think that they can go, if they're a candidate to go to West Central, then a West Central representative goes to that man, whatever county they're in, and uh, gives them an interview, and either they're fit to go through that program or not. Now, these are felons, uh, felony fives, fours, and these are the least type of felons. And uh, I, I don't recall any threes, but these are offenders in that manner. Uh, a little bit about that, how they get in there, the men and the women, all of these counties here. And um, if we can go uh, to um, the next section, which is uh, let's see, the, yeah, the program overview. And the program overview, if you can scroll down a little further, these are the different types of classes that they are required to take over there. And I just wanted to, you can look up there and read some of them. And they're very good classes. And uh, the last thing I want to run, uh, go to is um, the volunteer section, if you would, please. So if you'll scroll down a little bit there, you'll see the various ways that you can volunteer over there, which is in a spirit, of course, a spiritual aspect. Uh, church services, and by the way, um, I've been, we have been going in to hold a service over there on Sundays before COVID, of course, uh, once a month on a Sunday, and you all have experienced many times 
uh, baptisms right here in this church. Uh, many of the men and women have been here before being baptized uh, here at this very church. And um, they uh, were allowed to come at, at one time, not during COVID, of course, where they were allowed to come here to church and come to service. And many of you have met some of those residents in the past and, and uh, got to maybe know some of them. Uh, I forgot, I failed to mention that, but I needed to mention that. But these are some of the resources and, and the ways that you can volunteer at West Central. And uh, there are various other, many other ways that they're looking to uh, bring people in for volunteers. The last one that interested me that I thought there was a lady going, uh, a lady coming in for crochet lessons one night a week or twice a month, I can't recall how it was, but for the men's side and the women's side. So, you know, interests like that. And, and that's, that's basically what we've been doing over at West Central over all this time, all this time. So God is working in a very powerful way. And you know, it's not just at West Central, it's right over here at ORW. It's any, anybody that's been incarcerated throughout this land. God, his love, it, it never ends. It never changes, and as we sang, and I'm, I'm, I am a witness of that myself. Uh, many struggles in my life, uh, that's for another day and another time. I thank you for this time, and uh, if there's any questions about West Central or maybe if you want to help out once we resume going back in there or any other type of question, please get with me. I'd be glad to answer any of them. Thank you very much. Thank you, Rock. Appreciate Rock and, and Steve, Miss Steve. Many of you know Steve Knox and Jan and, and uh, Rock and Jody has, have uh, been part of this church for many years and are back with us for about a year or so, and it's good to have them with us. And, you know, Rock exemplifies uh, the, the, the ideal of every member a minister, every member a missionary, and uh, I appreciate what he does at West Central. Why does Jesus invite us to visit those in prison? Because we believe... <laughs> that not a rehabilitation system, but God brings transformation, right? <laughs> and, and so we, we help those um, find transformation through God. And so I, I'd encourage you to talk to Rock. I do want to congratulate Neil and Judy on a new grandbaby. Yeah, uh, Oslo, a little girl, and Ethan and Jan are doing fine. So congratulations, folks, and uh, I, I know you guys are excited about that. And then I'd be amiss if I didn't say, who day? Okay, nobody, you know, all you Browns fans here, um, uh, you know, the Browns had a home game for the playoffs this year, and uh, I hope they enjoyed it. Uh, so we're talking about identity crisis, and we're talking about discipleship, and uh, uh, we're, we're talking about how consumerism has invaded, to a certain degree, um, the church at times. Consumerism, consumerism is the preoccupation of society with the acquisition of consumer goods. And most of us fight that battle from time to time. I don't think any of us are beyond this ideal of, of wanting more things and the need to have more. For some of us, it's a, it's a technology addiction. Whenever the new iPhone or whatever your phone is comes out, you, you have to have it. We live in a consumer-driven society, and I think we all understand that. Interestingly, the um, Declaration of Independence says life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. That's what, uh, these are fun fundamental freedoms, and that's what Thomas Jefferson wrote. But he's stealing from John Locke, and, and John Locke had said the fundamental freedoms are life, liberty, and property. And, and Jefferson changes that to the pursuit of happiness. But in our culture, too often, we equate happiness with property. 
that, that the more that you have, the happier you will be. And, and we all know, if I were to say that, all of us would say, well, that's not true. <laughs> that's not true. Property does not equal happiness. But oftentimes we live, even though we may say we don't live that, we don't believe that, we live as if that's true. And, and so consumerism is rampant throughout our culture, and too often it finds its way into the church. We become consumers of Jesus. And, and we treat the church and Jesus like a vending machine. That Jesus is here, that the church is here to meet our needs. And, and, and we can begin to think like it. Even, even when we hear the scriptures, and, and we sang scripture today, we, we sang from Romans 8.28, you make all things work together for my good. And, and, and what we hear sometimes is, you make me get everything I want. <laughs> That my good is what I want. But in Romans 8, 26 through 28, it begins with the ideal in 26 that oftentimes we don't even really know what we need. And the Spirit makes intercession on our behalf. And so the context of that scripture is, is that not, not that God is giving us what we want, but our good is God's way, not our way. Okay, that'd be a good time to say amen, right? Our good is what God wants, not what we want. And then we think about God's love, and, and, and man, those, those are great words, but oftentimes we think God's love is this permissive love that's just allowing us to do what we want, but God's love is bigger than that, and God's love is big enough to move us beyond our way to his way. All of us, like sheep, have gone astray. So our natural inclination is not to find God's way, and he's inviting us into his way, and that is our good. So the invitation is not to be a consumer of Jesus, but to be consumed by Jesus, to allow him to lead, to follow, to learn from Jesus, to be a disciple. And we've been trying to answer this very simple but very important question through the context of the Sermon on the Mount, what does it mean to be a disciple? Um, we, we, we talked about this last week, that, that Jesus begins to teach, and the disciples lean into Jesus as he begins to teach. And, he, and the last verse we used last week was Matthew 5, 24. I tell you that unless your righteousness surpasses that of the Pharisees and the teachers of the law, you will certainly not enter the kingdom of heaven. And then Jesus begins to unpack what that means. He begins to, to, to go through some scriptures, and, 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 and we're going to move through these a little bit slowly. Um, you know, we can't touch on each of these uh, very particularly. I, I want to get to the main point. I want, I want you to hear this before I even begin going through the scripture. I'm not going to bury the lead here. The point of discipleship is complete transformation, not simply finding the minimum requirements. That's what Jesus is saying. He said, hey, the point is not just finding the bare minimum. The point is that God wants to transform and change your life. With that said, let's, let's work through the antithesis. And, the, and these, they're called the antitheses. They're a series of contrasts. Some suggest that they're merely interpretation. But, but as I read these six antitheses, um, particularly verse 38 and beyond, they move beyond just interpretation, and Jesus is saying there is another way. So we're going to move through these very pretty quickly. 
important teachings, all individual teachings are important, but we're going to move through these cumulatively because I, I think we need to see the bigger lesson that Jesus is trying to teach here. Verse 21, you have heard that it was said to the people long ago, you shall not murder, and anyone who murders will be subject to the judgment. So, so there's the minimum. Jesus is giving one of the Ten Commandments. Murder is pretty important. But then he goes on. But I tell you that anyone who's angry with a brother or sister will be subject to judgment. Again, anyone who says to a brother or sister, Raka, is answerable to the court. And anyone who says, you fool, will be in danger of the fire of hell. So, so angry with your brother or sister. If you have a brother and sister and you've ever been angry with them, raise your hand, right? Um, subject to judgment. That, that's not the intention. Put your hand down, Gage. We, 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 she's right behind you. She sees. Raka. Uh, this basically means empty head. <laughs> Look at your neighbor and say, your head's not empty. Tell them, your, your head's not empty. Rock, empty head, nothing, worthless. If you say that someone's empty and worthless, you're answerable to the court. You fool. This is a religious term. This is an Old Testament term. This is the term the Pharisees would use. It's, it's a fool does not acknowledge God. And, and it was the religious classification for a lot of their society. And Jesus is saying, I want you to see this differently. The point is not simply trying to stop us from killing each other. Um, but the point is to see each other differently. To, to see each other as God sees us. Then, then this proactive complaint. Therefore, if you're offering your gift at the altar and there remember that your brother or sister has something against you, leave your gift there in front of the altar. First go and be reconciled to them. Then come and offer your gift. Settle matters quickly with your adversary who is taking you to court. Do it while you are still together on the way. Or your adversary may hand you over to the judge. And the judge may hand you over to the officer. And you may be thrown in the prison. Truly I tell you, you will not get out until you've paid the last penny. Now, now think about this for a moment. Jesus is speaking in Galilee. He's speaking to Galileans, and, 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 and someone that lived in Galilee, it would be a three to four day walk to Jerusalem. And so Jesus is saying, imagine that you're, you're at the altar, and you're getting ready to present your gift, and you realize that you have this grudge between someone in Galilee. Go back home and make things right. This is a serious command. Jesus is saying, hey, you know, don't, don't, don't approach God when you have issues with those around you. You know, the truth is, since, Terry, since I've went into the ministry, Terry and I have not had a fight on Sunday morning before we came to church because I'm up much earlier than she's up on Sunday morning. But I can remember a day when we were getting kids into the car and, and there was all these, and hopefully that wasn't your morning this morning where you're fighting and trying to get people in and you come into church like this and you say, oh, love of God. You see, there's an invitation to get our heart right before we approach God. I know sometimes it's in that process of approaching God that he allows us to work through these feelings. But folks, there is this proactive nature that God is inviting us to care for one another. Once again, this is not me and God, but it's us in this together. Our command is to love each other, forgive each other, and this affects our ability to approach God. 
Jesus is saying the bare minimum is not enough, but you need to move beyond that. Then he goes further. You, sh- you have heard that it was said you shall not commit adultery, but I tell you that anyone who looks at a woman lustfully has already committed adultery with her in his heart. If your right eye causes you to stumble, gouge it out and throw it away. It's better for you to lose one part of your body than for your whole body to be thrown into hell. And if your right hand causes you to stumble, cut it off and throw it away. It's better for you to lose one part of your body than for your whole body to go into hell. Once again, this is extreme teaching. It's moving beyond the bare minimum. Not, not, don't, not just don't commit sexual sin. But what does your thought life look like? God wants to transform how you think, how you see other people. He expects us to be proactive and to not place ourselves in places where we easily fall. Now in this passage, at the time of Jesus, men expected women to dress in a way to prevent men from lusting. You know, they, 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 it, it was the woman's obligation to wear a head covering to prevent and protect men from lusting. And Jesus is saying, I want you to understand that the lusting is not on the object, but on the person doing the object, the, the, the lusting. That you have a responsibility in this, and your thought life matters, and you just cannot blame object of your lusting. Once again, moving beyond the bare minimum. It's been said, anyone who divorces his wife must give her a certificate of divorce. But I tell you that anyone who divorces his wife except for sexual immorality makes her the victim of adultery, and anyone who marries a divorced woman commits adultery. Now, now can I just stop and say, I don't have time in the context of this passage to completely unpack it. This, this is a, a scripture that creates uh, all sorts of difficulty in the church and guilt. Some of it's false guilt. The law of Moses, men could divorce for almost any reason. And Jesus says in another part of scripture that, that Moses gave you that right because you're so hard-hearted. That, 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 that you just don't care. And at, at the time of Jesus, women oftentimes were simply properly to be consumed. That if your wife couldn't give you the child you wanted, if she displeased you, if you found somebody different. And in a lot of this passage is about misusing others, but it's, beyond, it's about moving beyond the bare minimum. Lust is a way of betraying your marriage vows. So it's connected ideals, and it's, it's betraying your promise. You know, I want to be careful not to legalistically apply this. Many of you have went through the pain of divorce. Some of you were innocent in the process, and yet you still deal with guilt. Some of you have maybe been guilty in the process, and you're dealing with guilt. But the point of the teachings is to move us forward towards transformation, transformation and not trap us in our past mistakes. Okay? Again, you've heard that it was said to people long ago, do not break your oath, but fulfill to the Lord uh, the vows that you have made. But I tell you, do not swear an oath at all, either by heaven, 
For it is God's throne, or by the earth, for it is the footstool, or by Jerusalem, for it is the city of the great king. And do not swear by your head, for you cannot even make one hair white or black. All you need to say is simply yes or no. Anything beyond this comes from the evil one. About what promises do I have to keep? And in the time of Jesus, what they would do is sometimes they would make a vow. And if the vow was to God, then they would make sure they kept it. But then they would make all sorts of other vows and to Jerusalem or to the sky or to my head, just like Jesus talks about. And since that wasn't to God, then maybe they could tweak that promise just a little bit. And Jesus is saying, your oath, your word, what you promise is what you promise. And, and so whether you're making it to, to the earth or to, to Jerusalem or to the heavens or to your head, that belongs to God. Do what you say you will do. Integrity is not based on an oath. And then this last amazing section for today. You've heard it said, an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth. That is word for word Old Testament scripture. But I tell you, do not resist an evil person. If anyone slaps you on the right cheek, turn to them the other cheek also. And if anyone wants to sue you and take your shirt, hand over your coat as well. If anyone forces you to go one mile, go with them two miles. Give to the one who asks and do not turn away from the one who wants to borrow from you. That this portion of scripture has been used by Gandhi. This portion of scripture has been used by Martin Luther King in their passive resistance um, that, that, that you saw. And, and so th this passage is extremely deep and has many interpretations. In this passage, I don't believe Jesus is inviting us to, to give up our personhood, but I believe Jesus is inviting us to find our personhood. But in all of these things, Jesus is talking about the ethics of a disciple. And it's not comprehensive. It's not every aspect of life. It's just these six little things that Jesus talks about. And, and he's giving us in these six things a principle. Jesus is saying live beyond the minimum. I, I, I'll never forget there was a camp meeting preacher I, um, at um, Indian, or the Southwest Ohio District Camp and, and he was talking about he was talking to his mother, and he's telling the story, and, I, and I, I can't remember the, the preacher's name, about, oh, I could do this and be okay, and I can do this and I can be okay, and I can do this and I can be okay, and I can do this and I can be okay, and all the things that was, were permitted. And he says, his mother said to him, you're missing it. That the point of life is not living as close to the edge as possible and still getting in. But the point is getting to clo as close to God as you can. Jesus is inviting us to see this differently. The, the Pharisees and the scribes set the minimum. What do you have to do? And Jesus is saying that's the wrong question. The, the right question is, how does God want to transform my life? For, for those who are disciples and are leaning in, we're, we're not looking for the bare minimum but we're looking for the transformation that God has to offer. 
So, so the question doesn't become, how many chapters in the Bible do I need to read today? Do, do, do I have to read through the Bible once a year? Do I read, need to read through it three times or two times or every two years? How, how much of the Bible do I have to read? That's the wrong question. The, the right question is, what does God want to teach me from his word today? How can I apply God's truth today? The, the wrong question is, how long do I need to pray today? Okay, I, I got to do my hour, I have to do my 15 minutes, I have to do my 30 minutes, I have to do my two hours. How long do I have to pray today? That's the wrong question. The right question is this. How often and in how many circumstances can I hear the voice of my Father today? In what ways can God continue to communicate to me? How much do I have to give? 10%? 8%? 11%? You know, what, what's the percentage of my income that, that I need to give? That's the wrong question. The question is, how can I demonstrate the character of God through my resources that he's entrusted me with? So I'm going to ask you one more question, and I'm going to close this in prayer. Are you seeking the bare minimum? Or are you pursuing all that God wants to give? Well, heads bowed, all eyes closed. Our altars are always available. Um, I, I know this isn't necessarily a, hey, let's come to the altar kind of message, but maybe God's speaking to you. And, and there, there's some area of your life that you're, you're wrestling with that, that God's trying to transform. What I've found in my life I've never been disappointed when I went to an altar. I never have. I've never got up there and said, well, that was a waste of time. God's always met me there. And, and so maybe there's something you're struggling with. Maybe there's something you're just struggling with in life. Maybe there's something in this message that you're struggling with. I'd invite you. Um, Ryan's going to put some music on. We're going to wait just a minute or two, and then I'm going to close this in prayer. Lord, we're thankful for your word. We're, we're thankful for the words of Jesus. The truth is, Lord, that sometimes we hear these words and they're hard. Turn the other cheek. Go the extra mile. Lord, it's difficult. We want our own way. And Lord, you invite us to see things differently. To move in a different manner. You invite us to lean in and not to seek the bare minimum but to seek the transformation that only you can provide. Lord, I don't want to be a consumer of you. I want to be consumed by you, changed, transformed. And Lord, the only way I can do that is to let go. To, to present my body as a living sacrifice. It's the only reasonable thing I can do. And Lord, in doing that, you can transform 
You can, you can renew my mind. And Lord, you can keep me from being conformed by the culture all around me that tells me that life is about what I can consume, what I can get. Lord, you truly do work all things to my good. But Lord, my good's not defined by the advertisements on TV. My good is not defined by my culture. But my good is defined by you. You are the giver of all good things. You are the giver of life. So Lord, help us to lean in, to listen, to to not see this, this journey with you as a checklist of things that we check off. But Lord, may we see this as an invitation to allow you to join us in our day-to-day journey transforming not just our religious life, but our entire life. Lord, I've said this often, and I believe this is true. There's not a distinction between the secular and the sacred. All of life is holy to you. And you don't want part of our life, you want all of our life. Help us, Lord, to live true to that. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. God bless, folks.